From the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwoodville Park in New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome musician Frank Coleman. Frank Coleman has had a long career collecting hyphens. He is a musician, composer, writer, editor, filmmaker, animator, producer, director, designer, and software developer, uh, and also a former child actor. Frank appeared in two film productions picked by Time Magazine as top of the decade in 1969 before retiring at the ripe old age of 10. He studied percussion and electronic music at Berkeley College of Music, eventually developing an interest in integrating technology into live performance. This led to a long, successful career in new media, encompassing over 500 projects since 1990, including the first CD-ROM, the first interactive music site on the internet, and the first website to receive an Emmy nomination. He's also a professional rock drummer with an extensive discography and has performed in front of over 40,000 people, most notably with John Ashton, formerly of the Psychedelic Furs. Returning to his theater roots with his partner, playwright Bambi Everson, they've released six volumes of her work in paperback over the last year and had a sold-out run at the 2019 New York Fringe Festival and also co-hosts a web series on cinema. We're going to talk to him about his music and so much more, but first... Let me welcome you, Frank, to Inwood Artworks On Air. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Surprised I'm, you had a moment to even I, arrive you know, here. You got it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jeez, peace. Uh, uh, well, I'm a drummer, so I'm used to doing you know something different with each of my limbs. You know, at 90 miles an hour with Swiss watch precision, with everybody counting on me. That's like that's the job. You are right? a walking you know, Swiss so, Army knife, sir. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great um, to see you. Thank you. I'm I'm honored and deeply flattered uh, to be here. At, Thanks. It's it's great, and I love Enwood, and I, we love the neighborhood, and I love being a part of it. No, oh, so. ditto, man. I, <laughs> I created a company. I love this so much. I created a company about it. There you go. And um, I have to ask you off the top, though, since we you brought it up in the bio, you know, the first thing. So, what are the two movies? Actually, one actually one asterisk there. Not movies. Well, no, no, pro- stage pro- stage production. productions. Sorry, productions. Yeah, because it was theater. Productions. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> My, my story is pretty unlikely. Uh, yeah. I mean, if there weren't copious amounts of documentary evidence, I would kind of have a hard time believing it. But uh, I, I was actually reading when I was two. And when I was four and a half, I had my first professional performance production appearance for Joe Papp uh, for oh. uh, playing Macduff's son at the American Shakespeare Society in Stratford. Wow. Uh, my, I do remember this, actually. My mom uh, refreshed my memory. I actually had Hamlet soliloquy memorized as my audition piece. I was four and a half. Wow. And I walked in, and they, they hired me on the spot because, <laughs> I mean, Jeez. you know, if a four and a half year old walks in and does Hamlet soliloquy, I mean, I would hire him. I don't know for what, but I mean, like, geez, man, you know, so anyway. Or so, you ask his mom, why is the kid so depressed all the time? So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> wandering around moping, you know, but yeah, but no, that's, that is true. And uh, that led to four productions for Circle in the Square. Wow. Uh, and the first one was the Trojan Women. This is 1966. And that's how I got my equity card. I was actually the youngest member of Actors' Equity, the Actors' Union in the United States at the time in, in, uh, in 1966. And then we toured nationally with The White Devil, John Webster's The White Devil. My mom and dad were also actors and singers, opera singers first and then folk singers later. Um, 
And uh, so we we did a lot of work together. Yeah. And my dad and I were both in the White Devil and toured nationally wow. with that. You never hear John Webster's White Devil being done. <laughs> I know. I know. And years later, I ended up working with Echo and the Bunnymen and becoming very good friends with them. And they have a whole song about the White Devil. Yeah. Uh, uh, funny as, as that is. So um, so there was that. Uh, so the, the Trojan Women was the first one. Okay. The second one. Uh, was Iphigenia in Aulis, also by Euripides, also at Circle in the Square. Yeah. And that was 1968. That was with Irene Pappas and Christopher Walken. Wow. And I was eight, right? I was eight years old. And I was, I, we, we alternated parts of me and, and the other kid. The other kid was Paris Themen, who went on to be Mikey TV and oh. in Willy Wonka and, wow. and all like that. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, actually, Frank Langella was in for a week, and then he had to leave for some reason. They brought in Chris Walk, Chris Walken, who was just Chris Walken at yeah, the time. Yeah, sure. Just he was like twenty three, I think. He wasn't a star yet. You no, know? did he? Did he do uh, the? Uh, I wonder if he did uh, Lion of Winter yet, because he was also the first Prince John in Lion of Winter. Yeah, I don't I know. I don't well. know the chronology. Yeah, but that ran for for a while. But those are the two the two Euripides things. And then the last thing that I did was All Wilderness at the Ford Theater. Uh, that was 1969, and that was actually the first production at Ford since Lincoln's assassination. Wow. Yeah, and they gave us a party at the Senate, and I have my photo with Jacob Javits and the whole bit. And it was 1969. I remember that very distinctly, and I very distinctly remember, because Nixon was president, the smell of tear gas coming over the Washington Mall. Wow. And all the protests. That was very... Very distinct memory. So yeah. I'd re- I'd retire at ten too after all that work. <laughs> Jesus, Pete's that was enough. You know, Holy it's like mackerel. that's enough to well, be you know hard boiled. Mayor Culpa, Culpa. I, I, for for some reason I thought Time Magazine was I was was focusing on film productions. Well, they let did alone theater. Yeah, but, they but, did they did the top you. of the decade yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all the different you know film right. and theater and dance and etc. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So well, learn something new well, here, <laughs> folks. I tell you, guys, a walking history book. Um, so so did you after that. You know what else is there achieved in the acting world? So you just cut, did your mom pull you out, or you just like you're kind of done with it and you, different interests? No, well, it's actually more dramatic than that. My dad got sick and died. Wow. Yeah, uh, so he sorry. was 35. He didn't know he had high blood pressure. Didn't drink or smoke. This was like 1970, right? Yeah. So high blood pressure wasn't even on people's radar sure. back then. Sure. And he got the flu and it knocked out his kidneys and he died. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Wow. And by that point. You know, as fate would have it, again, more unlikely stuff, as fate would have it, we moved upstate to Cooperstown, where we had done summer stock one year, and uh, a short time, a couple years later, um, some other opera-loving friends of my mom encouraged her to like get involved with a production company. They wanted to, do, to start a new opera company. Yeah. She still had all her costumes. Right, so we start, put on the first production of La Boheme at the local high school with her costumes. This eventually became the Glimmerglass Opera, and then the Glimmer, now the Glimmerglass Festival, wow. where Stephen Sondheim has come up and done, sure. you know, you know, Glimmerglass speaking and, and yeah, on Otsego Lake. Well, my stepdad was the treasurer for the first like 13 years of the whole thing was put together at our kitchen table. <laughs> And wow. he went out and got the land from our friend Tom Goodyear, who we had worked with when we did Summerstock, and he donated all his land for the opera house on the lake. And, you know, the rest is, is history. And also, you know, it must be said, uh, I am a product of the Cooperstown High School Music Department, and I am a very, very passionate advocate for music and arts education in public schools. <coughs> Excuse me. Because it really, I mean, it just, you don't have a well-rounded education without it. You I really agree. don't. You know, you just don't. For some reason, I don't know what happened the past 25 years, but the arts have been just marginalized more than ever. Um, I know it may not have been the coolest thing to be at school at some point for some people, whatever, but I don't know how those people got in charge because all of a sudden, past 25 years, it's we've, we've seen it just being squeezed mm-hmm. out of 
programming and, mm-hmm. you know, the whole, quote, budget cuts mm-hmm. and things like that. Totally couldn't agree more. The best liberal arts education, liberal arts. Exactly. It's all part of it. All. Well, yeah. And I mean, key skills that you get from this type of study include like improvisation, you know, the ability to just like pull something out of your hat, you know, yeah. in an emergency. You're not going to get that from science and technology and engineering and math. The, nope. the MacGyver effect. Something totally. bad is going to happen in three minutes. You got a ballpoint pen and a roll of masking tape. What are you going to do? Right. Right. That's creativity. Yeah. You know, you've got this idea in your head. You got something, you know, how are you going to make it real? Yeah, man. Make something out of nothing. All those skills, you know, calling well, you have collaboration. Yeah. You learn how to yeah. you, discipline. Yeah. You yeah. learn. Um, there is math and music, obviously. Oh, sure, of course. There yeah. is uh, just in the obvious here. And then, but more than also, too, there's, it's, there's, there's, there's just your simple listening. Just simple listening, sure. which I don't think I, I have a line that I've said for a long time, and I learn more by listening than talking. Mm. And um, you may not know it by knowing me hosting a podcast program, but uh, <laughs> it's fortunate kids. It comes to the territory. I got to speak for the show. But um, seriously, though, it's just there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things lost, the three R's, so to speak, and uh, and, you know, Sports too. I think sports and sports and um, entertainment, um, arts. You know, you you lose a lot, and, and also the, the relationships. You learning from other people. I mean, sure. what, what people bring to the table. Like it's because we were talking an earlier podcast this year about you know it's about the whole. It's like your your high school band is a band. It's mm-hmm. not one guy. It's or girl. It's a group of people yeah. working in quote unquote concert. Uh, to put something forward. Yeah. Same thing if you're doing, you know, the high school production of Lab OM, I definitely do it, or, or Brigadoon or whatever they're doing, sure. Music Man, and they're pushing it forward. Uh, Hamilton these days, I guess, right? Or Frozen. But, um, but you know, there's there's value to all of that. And, um, you know, uh, which is, a, you know, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, um, it, it does make an enormous difference. And, uh it, I think, starts with a, with a uh, committed teacher, yeah. probably. You know, that's what we sure. had there. Well, Somebody who was like, I'm like, going like to make said, this a thing. It's about the, the higher-ups yeah. deciding. And, yeah. uh, well, that was our PSA, folks, <laughs> if you guys <laughs> But it's true, and actually there's a, whole, yeah. there was a whole bunch of people from that community. I'm a son of two you know, teachers, too, yeah. so I, I, I totally get it. Yeah. And, um, well, anyway. I don't have an educational program here at what Artworks, <laughs> but if we did, you're kind of listening to it now. Um, so let's, you, but you came full circle, uh, actually though, back to your theater roots I in did. 2019 when you collaborated with Bambi on the new play at the fringe. This is true. Tell us about it. Well, Bambi and I have an, have an equally unlikely story. Uh, we were actually in third and fourth grade together in PS 87, uh, in the, uh, upper West side. And, um, her dad is uh, William K. Everson and he was sort of like the Dean of film criticism. He's actually the originator in many ways of film criticism as a thing. He wrote the very first books of film criticism back in the fifties and sixties and taught film at NYU and was Marty Scorsese's teacher and all these these people's teacher and mentor and had the largest private motion picture collection in the country in their apartment. No television, just 5,000 films on reels and an enormous projection screen. Dad, I don't watch the Maltese Falcon again? Seriously, no. Bambi says her first three words were Mama, Daddy, and Kong. (laughs) (laughs) True. Right? So anyway, so... um, I was the first boy she ever loved, and she knew I was into famous monsters of film land and all this. So I had one stuck in my book bag, so she was like, you like monster movies? Why don't you come over to my house on Friday night? My daddy's showing Dead of Night, you know, and I was like, 
really? Yeah. You know, like, that's not a come on. I've never heard of one in my life. It's like, yeah, he, yeah, sure. He has a room full of monster <laughs> movies. And you know what? Like, yeah, sure he does. But yeah, sure enough, he did. And so I like, I, I was over there every weekend watching the, the classics projected in their living room. So we had this, this, this really tight bond from, from all sure, the way back sure. then. But we got separated in fifth grade and had to wait 35 years for the invention of Google to find each other. Again. Wow. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> there are some there are there are some good things so, the internet brings around. Yeah. So exactly. yeah. So well, technology is always a double-edged sword. It sure. giveth and it taketh away. I said right? Some things. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a know. Faustian bargain. Yeah. You know. Well, so but, so the. But yeah. The, so the play, now the play, you guys. Well, Bambi went back to school in in uh, 2015, after 37 years, and had this personal renaissance, and discovered that she wanted to write stories and tell stories. She's written 30 plays. Since then, a half a dozen full lengths and a bunch of one acts, and we've been like we like I said at the beginning, publishing them in paperback um, and in paperback only, actually, not on Kindle. And the reason for that is because you know, looking at <laughs> just one day, I said to her, you know, after probably losing another hard drive, you know, we've got books in the library that are a hundred years old, and I don't think I've ever met a hard drive that made it to its fifth birthday. Right. You know. And so if we want this stuff to last, let's put it in paper. Totally. So we did. That's what we're doing. Awesome. And, you know, I have to say for all of the legitimate issues that we have with Amazon, they sure do make it easy for you to publish your own book. And I got to tell you, the royalty arrangements are fair, damn it. (laughs) And what is the name of the play so people can go out? Well, okay, so Bambi is at BambiEverson.com. You can also find her on Amazon.com, Amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Bambi Everson. Right, but what was the name of the play at the Fringe? Festival? Oh, the very first one. Yeah, the very the one that the one that really cracked the ice was the Thin Man in the Cherry Orchard, which is a mashup of Dashiell Hammett and Chekhov. It's I got that. Nick and <laughs> Nick and Nora go to visit their Russian cousins out oh, in the man. tundra, right? And naturally, there's a murder, and Nick has to solve it before they run out of vodka. You know, <laughs> and uh, it's great. It's I, great. I mean, fully admitting my bias, it's freaking hilarious well and uh so she wrote a sequel also which is nick and nora go off broadway which we also just did a reading of and that's sort of like the thin man meets waiting for guffman okay yeah very meta so yeah so her stuff is she's written very very dark stuff and very 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 funny stuff very cool so So you have your marching orders folks if you want to check it out he just gave you the uh, the keys of the kingdom. Well, I hope it continues to do Thank well you. for both of you. Thank you. And um, I'm sure it's being licensed out. Maybe at Cooperstown High School they could do it up well, there. You never know. Well, one never sees. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know. All right, let's switch gears to music. Um, so about what age did you find your way behind a drum kit since you were too busy on stage, you know, making right. things happen at the Iphigenia? Right. Well, we had a piano in the house because my mom and dad were singers, and dad and, yeah. and mom were both giving also voice lessons to their friends all the time, too. Yeah. Uh, and so one day we also had a, a piano teacher up on the 12th floor of our building, uh, Mr. Herman Diaz, who is actually a very prominent Cuban pianist. There's a documentary just came out about him. Uh, and one day my dad sat me down at the piano and showed me major, minor, augmented, diminished, you know, blah, 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 blah. Here's, here's the, here's the map. Right. And it was like, great. <laughs> just started kind of getting into it and took piano lessons for a few years and all like that. And, you know just kind of fudged my way through it the way one does at, at that age and all right. like that. But around about uh, a little later after that, uh, we were over at a friend's place and they played this new album called Switched On Bach, right? And our, our friend had a really fancy stereo system with an oscilloscope, a little tiny blue oscilloscope on the amplifier so you could see the musical while it was playing. And I was absolutely fascinated by this, seeing the music. 
right? The notion that music could be made visible was just, yeah. just suddenly like this light bulb going off in my head. That and my dad taking me to see Fantasia, you know, again, that, that theme of, you know, sort of crossing lines between different sense organs, right. you know, very Cronenbergian kind of thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that is what sparked my interest in technology to try to make to try to basically paint with music paint you know light and sound together at the same time and eventually now the technology is eventually caught yeah, up and you went to berkeley and i went to berkeley and, 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 and so studied that kind of electronic music to do that and yeah. pursue like a career oh yeah it all kind of led ineluctably to that but the, the drums the drums uh happened one one day when uh, somebody got me an album of uh, elton john's soundtrack to the movie friends which features probably the ugliest album cover in history the entire thing is pepto-bismol pink and it's just, I mean, it's like, I know you're having a hard time hearing me over this album cover, you know. Uh, but uh, there's a song in the end of side one called Can I Put You On? And halfway through, Nigel Olsen goes into double time. And the whole song just kind of downshifts into second ever. and just, oh, absolutely. I mean, fills nine miles wide. You could drive a truck yeah. through, just just fantastic. Yeah. Create space, not fill it. You that's know, super that's cool you mentioned Niles. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, Ni Nigel Olsen, fantastic. Nigel. Yeah. So, so that, it was like that. Bingo, I'm going to be a drummer. Yeah. That was it. And uh, shortly after, I got my first drum set, and my parents didn't know how to set it up. And they set it up left-handed, even though I'm right-handed. So they I learned left-handed. Did they encourage left you? Or they're like, were they, oh, yeah. Or they were like, no, oh, yeah. you should go to piano. Well, they piano. were musicians, yeah, you know? So, yeah. All, and all our friends were musicians and singers and all like and that. why so, they yeah. set up left-handed? Why did they do that? They didn't know any better. Or well, they said, like, we, what they know from we drum need a strong left hand It's a Montgomery Woods <laughs> drum set. It's 1972, you know? Right. You know, who knows, right? So they set it up. I, what do I know? I sit down. I start, da, 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 da. but, yeah. you know, I'm right-handed, so I started playing the snare with my dominant hand. Right, so for right, rock and roll, I think the backbeat is a little more country that way wow. but uh um Ringo's actually the same way play, do you still play left-handed yeah yeah although I mean I, as a survival skill I had to learn right-handed as well because all the other drummers in high school were right-handed right you know so I had to like so learn funny. how to play right-handed too and then like by the time I got to Berkeley I started playing right-handed on my left-handed kit and all my other drummer friends like you bastard <laughs> <laughs> show off I'm, I'm sure a lot of Berkeley kids show off those it's probably not the worst thing in the world it's an amazing place you just go set up your drums at two in the morning and just go wail yeah. concert volume level and so like were you also like into new wave music absolutely well, stuff like that I absolutely figured, I figured that kind of would influence you a little bit yeah I landed in Boston in 1977 September of 1977 boom right you know and uh, but when I when I got there, I was really into like Rush and you know fusion and well, stuff the prog like rock that. You know, was electronic prog, too. yeah, yeah. By the end, three months later, yeah. I was listening to Sex Pistols in the jam the and Moog synthesizers yeah, yeah, and things yeah. like that. Well, yeah. I always loved electronic music, and yeah. I never lost my love for that. And and you know, there's there was a punk branch of the electronic wing too. People like the Normal and and so on and so forth. Sure. You know, you know, and Suicide and all the and lots of other you know groups. So. I, I always try to use whatever technology was excellent at the time to just try to push things forward. Yeah. And just try to, try to find, you know, what's next and make weird stuff. Well, <laughs> you, you're definitely accomplishing that, my friend. Um, but obviously, it opened up a lot of doors for your hyphenated career. I mean, because when I think of Frank Coleman, I think of rock drummer. But you have all these other influences, and you play with a ton of people, obviously. And, and I think you're, the fact that you're so versatile um, and you have that sensibility for – I'll call it an appreciation for other forms allows you to play with a lot of different people, you know, like the psychedelic furs, yeah. like punk bands, yeah. like going from punk to like indie pop to like, you know, classical, it sure. allows you to, to musical theater. It well, allows you to, to, to keep, you know, 
straddling different lines. This is the benefit of a well-rounded education. Yeah. This is the benefit that you get from exposure to all these different things at a young age. Yeah. Right? And that's why, like, whenever I see, like, young parents or whatever, you know, I tell them, you know, this beautiful kid, you've got, like, from now until, like, 11 to, like, show them the world, right? And yeah. after that, they know everything, right? Right, You right. know, but, but like, the more, you just even if they don't like it, you know, just, just to have your iris widened, just you know, get them to, exposed to, to it, just, see if they want to do it. Yeah. Let them try karate. Let them try, yeah. you know, beating on a drum or, let to, them, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. And and being given free reign of, to indulge your curiosity, you know, where, wherever it leads you is, is you know, is that this, this is what you get from, from doing that. I, I benefited from that, uh, that kind of education, that kind of upbringing. Yeah. So where are you are now? What are you working on right now? I've been doing a lot of work in virtual reality, actually. VR is kind of like my film studio. I'm not a gamer at all. Um, I use it to actually build the sets. Oculus? Are you doing the, are you doing I the Oculus? An, yeah, I've, I've I haven't had tried a, that yet. Yeah, there's... Um, well, I actually built like a, like a VR prototype in 1993 before there even was like QuickTime. It was called VR the Coleman. <laughs> there's a video about it on YouTube. The code still compiles on my desktop, but you can't play it anymore because it was all done in Macromedia Director. And, you know, we haven't talked enough about how, like, an entire generation, an entire platform of, of the world's art you know, just, like, got vaporized when Adobe killed Flash. You know, right. one company just, like, wiped out all that stuff, the Johnny Cash Project, all kinds of great stuff just gone overnight, you know? Wow. Yeah, well, that was the second time that happened. The first time was with the director and all the stuff that I did with CD-ROMs and all that mm -hmm. business back in the early 90s. Well, CD-ROM was big. Yeah. I mean, that was, like, supposed yeah. to be the, the, the next thing. We, yeah, like I said, I worked on the very first one, which was the Macmillan Dictionary for Children, and I was yeah. the voice of the animated character. We had a gateway like, or crazy. computer or whatever that played ROMs and stuff yeah. like that, so we, yeah. we totally got yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it it seems like a lot of fun has gone out of uh, you know tech exploration. Maybe it'll open up now with the next wave tedious. with the metaverse and 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 the next. It thing seems like you happen. have to learn so much. Like I feel like like there's like you have to like I feel intimidated by um, you know the Adobe Premiere Suite like Lightbox and everything else. It's like holy crap! I got to learn all this crap. Like I don't have I don't have time to invest. Like I, I need a mentor to take me through all this stuff. And I felt like it wasn't that way 30 years ago where yeah. you're kind of like, okay, you, you could take a class, sure, but it was a little more paint-by-numbers than before. Uh, so, I yeah, I feel personally intimidated by a lot of the technology out there now. So, so, and, and then you have, like, people pushing out, like, no, it's so easy. It's just an app. And it's like, it's never so. It's first <laughs> first words to tell you it's not easy when they say it's <laughs> just a sump dot dot dot. Yeah, no, sure. Yeah. Sure. No, I, I, I totally yeah. sympathize so, so, with so that. So I taught the, myself so, everything. So, so is yeah. the VR world, because you're an accomplished you know, technician, is the VR world getting quote unquote easier? Do you think like, cause like, you know, they're hosting concerts in the world of Warcraft and things yeah. like that. Like people are trying to push people to like the virtual realms, yeah. having avatars, whatnot to lead a quote unquote better life experience. You know, things. it's the next, it's the next evolution of the internet. It's just yeah. the, the internet in 3d and 360 basically yeah. is what it is ultimately it's, it's everything, all of it. And then some, and then the next things, which yeah. is that you'll be able to treat 3d objects the same way that we handle JPEGs and MPEGs right now. It'll be right. like that kind of casual and that kind of every day. That'll be in your signature you know? line of your email instead of, <laughs> yeah. instead of a, instead of a JPEG, a thing, it's going to, it's going to rotate and come out of the screen and grab your, your head and say, hi, how are you? you yeah. Know? Like Max Headroom. Remember that? Yeah. There's, I mean, there's going to be all yeah. kinds of crazy crazy stuff there's gonna be like i mean yeah. i think there'll be like future polymers like smart fabrics that like you'll be able to reach out and touch things that aren't actually there or like hug somebody halfway yeah. around the world or more you know it's all kinds of touch some but yeah but but 
But what about music? How is it going well, with music? So it's 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 complicated. The thing about like trying to do live performance in in virtual space is yeah. that the, the um, latency inherent in the system is sure. like really basically kind of impossible to get past. So what you can do is kind of like, like all play together and present it to everybody else. Right. You know, rather than try. You know, the, even with the fastest bandwidth, you know, go yell at a mountain and how how soon does the echo come back? Right. It's just physics. Um, but um, but the ability to have these concerts and you can basically be anywhere in the world and yet be in the best seat in the house at this concert that's got a lot of attraction to it right both business-wise and artistically right because you know you're trying to especially trying to do something niche-wise your audience could be a thousand two thousand people scattered all over the world but that's enough to do a gig you know to, to sustain and yourself, the gig's actually you know? happening saying that the red hot chili peppers are playing at red rocks or something they'll actually put cameras up all along all of, yeah. and they'll sell the subscription to that's, your VR channel, mm -hmm. and that's where it's going, right? That's one. That's one way to do it. There's there's multiple models. That's one of them. Right? Yeah. And um, the other is like completely synthetic experiences that can only be had inside the environment itself. Okay. You know, what I've been doing is using kind of it's kind of like halfway between painting and sculpting, where I'm actually building sets, and you can you can go like this, and you can actually kind of shrink and expand the entire world. Okay. So, so wow. like, you can build something in miniature, and then like this. So you have a god it, complex that you're trying to tell us here a little it's bit. It's really <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> it's really, really fun. The idea that, I mean, the thing is that, kind of like the difference between being in a car, being on a motorcycle. Yeah. In a car, you're looking out the window. In a motorcycle, you're in it. Right. Right? Right. And a computer, you're looking through the window there. In VR, yeah. you're in it. Right. You know? You're participating. And you're, it's all around you. It's, it's an entire, you're, all your sense organs are immersed in this environment that obeys a slightly different set of laws of physics. You draw something in the air, and it stays there. Cool. And you grab a hold of it and go, and come back tomorrow, and it'll still be there. Yeah. Well, do you still enjoy playing live? Oh, are yes, you, absolutely. Are, yeah, are you sure, still, are sure. Are you still doing that? I'm in five uh, bands. Only five? <laughs> What's your, what's what's the what's, so, what's, we don't have time for no, all. I know. What's I, the best of the five bands well, that so, you enjoy? So right uh, now? most you mentioned John Ashton. I've been playing with John Ashton since 2014, uh, and that's been fantastic. We've got one album out uh, called Satellite Paradiso, it's basically the name of the group, and there's cool. like 20 some odd musicians on it. I play with a band in Boston called the Bent Men, who are sort of like a cross between Blue Man Group and Tool. <laughs> And have been around for 40 years. Well, that's, and actually, that's the same band now. I think about it. Know, Blue Man Group of Tool have been the same band. The Residents, no, Killing Joke, Captain Beefheart. You're know, like really heavy. Wow. Yeah. That band. And yeah. uh, my first gig with them was on 10 Days Notice in front of 40,000 people. And wow. then there's my own project, Secret Agent. Secretagentband.com. Yes. Uh, and uh, we've got one album out called Declassified and the new one coming called Redacted. And all the song titles on Redacted are blacked out. Of course. And <laughs> I've, been, I've been releasing them one at a time. So you just go number airplay. one or number two or number three, it, I right? do. I, I mean, I, get, I toss them up on at least 01, 02, 03. But you, gotta, you have to give them a number yeah, at least. Yeah. If you were of a mind to, you could figure it out. If you delved into it, you could oh. conceivably figure it out. There's lots of layers to I'm secret sure there's agents. there's some zeros and ones to be decoded like the I can neither confirm thing. nor deny. <laughs> That's the problem when you have someone who's yeah. the tech genius over here yeah, and also a musical genius. Well, um, let's go right to it. Uh, and then give, we're giving the ladies and gentlemen something um, a little virtual uh, through our podcast here. Uh, in lieu of putting on a full concert, either virtually or in person, uh, let's share our listeners a taste of uh, Frank's talents here. Um, he's playing 15 different styles in five minutes, live recorded on Dykeman Plaza here in Inwood, New York City. Enjoy Frank Coleman.
So that's a lot of styles in a very short time. Yeah. And so it is. you know, I can see how all those have become very useful for all the five bands you're in right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, per, and and maybe you don't play yeah. all the styles for all the bands. Well, but, Secret Agent you know. alone is yeah. original music that's that's supposed that sounds like it's supposed to be in a spy movie. So that right there is jazz, funk, Latin, dub, Bollywood, sure. surf, rock and roll. Yeah. All mixed up in a you're your own you're your, your, your own Bond diaspora. Kinda. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Well, Frank, awesome stuff. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. It's my pleasure. I feel like we could talk for hours uh, about any of the given things we've kind of touched on. But before we say goodbye, where can we send people to find out more about your current and forthcoming offerings? My various misadventures. Uh, yes. Well, my, my website is frank-coleman.com, F-R-A-N-K-C-O-L-E-M-A-N. And it does work, and it's, it's not like, you know, you have to, like, it's not a trick website. No, it's not one of the, it doesn't, okay. it doesn't take you to the residence version of, you know, never going to, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, no, uh, frank-coleman.com, and my partner is bambieverson.com. There you go. You can find either one of us through the other. And, you know, we're on all the usual suspects of the yeah. social media outlets, you know. Very cool. Well, Frank, uh, we'll addible. put the description um, in our uh, episode so people can be Thanks able to find so much. It, right? We love Inwood. We love being here. Well, it's love great. having you, man. And, Thanks for uh, being part of our community. Yeah, man. Thank you uh, for everything you, you do, because that's that's what's needed. Is is you know, if if you don't tell them, they can't come. <laughs> you know, we are as a platform to bring people together. That's what yeah. we do. And yeah. uh, thanks for noticing, and yeah. thanks for you know being part of the uh, the community here. That's that's what it's all right about. On. So we'll, we'll and we'll find a we'll find a time to get you out there too, and we'll get you playing live at some point. With one, maybe your sixth band. Who knows? We'll see. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's always spontaneously erupt at any moment. Exactly. Uh, so thanks again to Frank Coleman for joining me on this special artist spotlight episode of In What Artworks on Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast, Apple Podcast. It really does help us. Many thanks to Church of Good Shepherd. And also uh, for HighTest.com for Uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by giving a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate or via Venmo. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up all that we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.